We're entering a series here uh, that I want you to catch a connection to more than just what I'm going to preach this morning. And that is this season of time and this part of the year, people are willing to go to church at this time of year and times when they wouldn't be willing to go at any other time. It's a great opportunity for us to invite our friends. We just came off the series, set the table, and uh, was encouraging us to practice hospitality, to prepare to invite other people in. And I want to encourage you to invite your neighbors, your friends, your family to come. And they might come any given week on a Sunday. And, of course, you want to sit by them and prepare to be with them and not have them sit on the other side of the room. But let this be a great time for them to come together. And then we also have our special Christmas experience, as we've done each year. And that Christmas experience will be leading up to Christmas. So starting on Thursday, December 22nd, each night we're going to have an opportunity for people to come to the same experience. We've got a full-blown musical experience. I'll give a little bit of the preaching of the word, and there'll be an opportunity for people to respond in faith to receive Christ. And that'll be an awesome opportunity Thursday through Saturday. Then on Sunday morning, we're going to have one service at 10 a.m. where everybody can gather together, family. That's everybody from babies up to great-grandparents' age. (laughs) They're all going to be able to come together and worship together. It'll be short. It will be loud, and we'll worship the Lord on Christmas morning for those of you that can be here. So I want to make mention of that because, listen, we need to be prepared, and let's invite more to people to experience and capture the wonder of Jesus this year. Can I get an amen? As we dive in today and capture the wonder part one, I want you to think about this time of year. This time of year draws out memories of optimism and hope-filled children who still believe that anything can happen. It's what we're born with before life's experiences drain us of our excitement for the future. Anything truly is possible, and we're reminded of that during the Christmas season. This year is a unique year because the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Now, you don't even have to be a baseball baseball fan to understand this. They last won it in 1908, and they went all the way to this year, in 2016, and all those years intervening. The Cubs fan, Cubs Nation, whatever you want to call them, Cubs Nation was always kind of accepting the fact that they would never win, and this maybe next year. There's always next year. But the always next year didn't really mean we believe it will happen next year. It was kind of like they had accepted a curse. And when it broke through and they won, Cubs Nation went crazy. They were crying in the streets. People were weeping about it because they remember their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their parents and their experiences and all of them waiting. There was a story of a guy who drove 400 miles to sit outside next to his dad's tombstone listening to the radio of Game 7 because he was so wanting to share it with his dad. Uh, I don't even want to go into all the what that really was like, but I'm just saying people went to extreme dreams about this and they were surprised there was a great elation a great joy that kind of spread and people didn't really expect it to happen and so when it did it was known as wonder wonder had returned to the Cubs fans everywhere wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful and unexpected unfamiliar 
or inexplicable. I can't even say it. I said it like all day long, inexplicable. I feel like this is like, uh, you ever seen Prince's Bride? Inexplicable. People filled with wonder become like a kid again. People that are filled with wonder kind of have that little joy. They're capable of belief and of hope and of joy. And it's really what Jesus said in Matthew 18. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Being like a child is a big deal. Having simple joy is a big deal. But somehow the wonder gets lost along the way for us. Donald Miller, one of my favorite authors, I wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz years ago. And he, in that, you know, I love authors that can describe stuff where you're in it. He was talking about being a little kid and how he believed and loved Santa and he really was into it. He had little rabbit trails in his book. And I, he talked about going to the mall and all the kids are lined up to to see uh, Santa Claus and tell him what they wanted for Christmas. And then, and then the, uh, he went to the bathroom and he noticed that Santa went to the bathroom too. And, but Santa walked out and didn't wash his hands and it was a horrific experience. And <laughs> Sorry to wreck your day there for a second. But he so believed in Santa that the time came when his mom and his older sister were gonna share the news that Santa wasn't real. Sorry, I should have gave, gave like a spoiler alert earlier or something. He, uh, he was going to find out, and he says his mom turned around in the front seat of the car, and his sister turned around to stare at his face, and he's in the back seat, and they declared to him that Santa wasn't real. And big, huge tears went down his face, and, and he said, my whole world ended, and I was wrecked, and there was no, everything was black and white, and it was horrific. And he said, then the next day, I still got presents, and I got over it. <laughs> In real life, why is it that we have our moments like that, and we get over it? And some of the things we shouldn't get over, but we do. Time has a way of wearing us down and pulling our, we pull our toes in from the risk we don't want to dream in case it gets crashing down or disappointment in how things turn out can stop us from trying again or hurt can cause us to insulate ourselves from relationships, from people because we want to avoid future hurt. Many people, including this generations of teenagers, have premature responsibility and that can cause us to grow up too soon. And kids that have to shoulder adult responsibility too early. Marriages can lose their love. They don't even remember what it was like before when there was the giddiness and the excitement and they don't know where it went. Some people worked really hard in life, but there was no reward for their hard work and they just stopped trying or stopped praying, stopped loving, stopped giving. See, we can lose vision. We can lose motivation. There's a term I want to introduce to you today, and it's the term vital optimism. Vital optimism is the belief that we are destined to succeed no matter what. Even when we have setbacks, it brings great confidence to every challenge in life. 
When you have vital optimism, even if something bad happens, you know something good is going to happen on the other side. But when you lose your vital optimism, anything that you face is just a thing that shuts you down and you stop dreaming. This is what happened to the great British Empire. The great British Empire had the greatest navy in the whole world and went from sea to shining sea. And literally the British Navy landed in different continents and they ruled over nations and over continents. And all that was building and growing and anything and extended to the field of Olympic competition and in business. They had an overall confidence as a nation. But then the time came in World War I when they lost the Battle of Ypres. And when they lost the Battle of Ypres, hundreds of thousands of people died. And something happened to the confidence, the vital optimism of a nation. The balloon was popped. And literally from that point on, you can see the, Roman, or the British Empire withdraw all the way back to its original island nation. It slowly no longer influenced, influenced the rest of the world, all because their vital optimism was wrecked. Now, I don't know what it is about us and our culture. It doesn't matter what age you are or the stage that you're in. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. It doesn't matter the amount of wealth that you have or the relationship journeys that you've been on. But all of us have had vital optimism and many of us have had the balloon popped. Some of us have stopped dreaming, stopped believing, and we've kind of gone into survival mode. And the question would be, is it possible to recapture the wonder? Is it possible to recapture it? Can a single adult who's lost their optimism about getting married, can they still have wonder? Can a marriage that's lost its luster still recapture the the wonder. Can a couple who's lost their baby and everything in life seemed to shut down, can they recapture the wonder? Can a family who's lost their house or their savings or their career or their business, can they recapture the wonder? Can someone who's got out of control addiction that's destroyed every relationship around them choose to get up again and recapture the wonder? See, if we don't, everything turns to black and white. And we go into survival mode, and it's conserving a conservation mode instead of a giving mode. I want you to know this today, that all of our culture is busy throughout Christmas. And the commercialization and the present that we gotta buy for people, the right stuff, all the parties, all the connection with all the busyness, all the commercials about what we should do, we can get so caught up in the temporary that all it does is continue to keep us in a cycle where we need to recapture our wonder or we can respond to what Jesus and his original message brought. See, that's why Christmas matters, why Jesus' birth matters. In Isaiah chapter 9, there's the announcement of what the Messiah would be. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Many of you have known Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Perhaps you've known him as Jehovah Rapha, your healer. But do you know him as Jesus, the wonderful? 
Because he alone can restore the wonder in your soul. Can I get an amen? When the prophet announced this, it was hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And of course, the history of the Old Testament was filled with attempts to finding peace, to finding joy, and living in harmony with God and with people. The law had come, but the people weren't good enough. They couldn't keep up with it. They had tried to get government behind them. They had established a king, and still the people wrecked it. And they had tried every other thing until the time came when the prophet announced there's a time coming when there will be a Messiah who's called Wonderful, and he alone can heal the hearts of people, restore the joy, and get your vital optimism back. He's the one that brings it. The wonderful can come back into a life, a marriage, a family. He comes to restore wonder and with it, joy. Come on, somebody. Now, Maple Grove, you might have not heard that, but somebody said that's right. Come on, somebody. See, the holidays can be a reminder of what was. It could be painful for you. If you're focusing on what was lost, you may not have your joy. But if you turn to Jesus, the wonderful counselor, he's the one that comes into a picture that changes everything. The worst of our sin can be turned to a bright future when we turn to Jesus. I love the story of King David. King David was a a boy who sang out as a shepherd, and he sung to God. He had a connection with God that was unbelievable. Perhaps you remember a time in your life when your heart sang with God, with heaven. Maybe you were a kid, or maybe you were in a youth ministry, or maybe there's a season of your story where you remember when you and God were connected. That was the way David was, and eventually David became the king of Israel. He had reached the top after many, many years of difficult stories, and he had partnered with God. And then he was at his fullest point. He was at his, uh, the epitome of where he had dreamed of being, and he screwed up. And he reached the moment where he looks out on the top of his roof, and he sees another man's wife, and he has an affair with her. He sleeps with her. He does what is evil in God's sight. And then God sends a a prophet, a messenger, to point the finger at David and say, you did this. And God, in his mercy, chose to give David another shot. And David's response to that is Psalm chapter 51. In fact, if you read the entirety of Psalm 51, you will see David pouring out his spirit again to that same God. Later on in his life, after the vital optimism has now left and the balloon is popped, he talks and he sings to God and he says, against you and you only have I sinned. And he asks God to cleanse him and to change him. And by the time you get to verse 12, it says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. What I love about this is David's able to exclaim, God, you alone can come back in and clean my heart and to restore optimism. He may know a little bit more about what he shouldn't do, 
But God didn't pronounce an end to his journey. Friends, just because you've done something wrong in your story, just because something didn't go right, maybe you messed up or somebody did something to you, it's not a reason for you to say, God can't use me and won't talk to me. No, it's an opportunity for the wonder to come back into your story if you look to Jesus. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, everything, everything can be renewed. We just need to see our wonderful. We just need to see our wonderful. How do we get back to it? Jesus' advice was found in the text that I read to you earlier in Matthew 18. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that we're to turn back to simple faith like a kid. He doesn't say become childless or childish. He's, he says, I want you to become someone that thinks like a kid again. Be like that. And I just to interject there for a moment. If you don't feel like you have that or you can't find your way back to being a kid again, maybe you need to have some kids around you. Because there's something about hanging around those that have that life. Pastor Daniels, our founding pastor, used to say, if you want to stay young, hang out with the young. He also said, if you want to die young, try to keep up with them. <laughs> but there's a simple piece to this is going, you got to go back. You got, you got to think back. You got to go back to, you, there was a point in your story where you did have it. And Jesus says it this way in Revelation 2, 4, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. He's essentially saying go back to the beginning. Remember what it was like and go back there. Do some of the things you used to do that you kind of grew out of, that you became too big for, too adult for. And remember that you've got to be simple and come like a child. And some of that means that you've got to do things like kids would do. Admit that you still need a savior. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been following him for a year or for 40 years, you still need a savior. This Christmas season, you need a savior still. You still need to look to Jesus. You still need to remember him. Come on, somebody. I know I need him. Maybe you need to do as Jesus says, admit that you've lost something. You've lost your love for people. You've lost your, your compassion. You've lost your joy. You might have lost your love to worship or to think about godly things. You might have, whatever it is you've lost, you need to admit it. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay to admit it. <laughs> it's okay. And right now, in 2016, the wonderful counselor can come and restore your vital optimism. Stop accepting cynicism or failure is final. Choose to acknowledge that you still need Jesus. Secondly, he says, humble yourself. Unless you humble yourself like a kid. My uh, sister's family was here for Thanksgiving and 
and they were at our house uh, for Thanksgiving all day, and then they came back yesterday for the game. And when I say the game, I mean Michigan, Ohio State, in which we lost, and it just, ooh, ooh. Thank you, Lord. Jesus rose from the dead. That's what I keep putting my focus on, my attention on. Anyways, somewhere in the middle of the game, I came upstairs, and my niece, Megan, was there, and she had received a present, and she got this uh, set of something inside one of those plastic uh, containers that are temporary that they ship them in, and they're impossible to open. You guys know what I'm talking about? They got little tape everywhere, and you're trying to figure out how to... And she had stopped trying to figure it out. She just said, Uncle Nate, can you help me? And so I said, sure. And I walked over to our, our uh, kitchen uh, drawer, and I pulled out a pair of scissors, and I started going to town. I had a, and one of the things I did is I got it all out, and I handed it to her. She said, thanks, and she walked away. I want you to think about something. She didn't sit there and whine and complain about all the reasons she was frustrated throw it out to all her Facebook friends about why she was frustrated. She didn't spend all of her time consumed with thoughts about how evil the people that packaged this must be. She didn't, she didn't spend all of her time focusing on all those things. What'd she do? She just, like a kid, humbled herself and knew she couldn't do it herself. She brought it to her uncle. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? There is a spot at which you just go, you know what, it's too big for me. It's too much for me to handle. I need to admit and I need to humble myself that I still need a savior. Drop the excuses, the self-righteousness. There's no real legit reason to hold on to it and turn toward Jesus and listen to Jesus as he calls you to himself. Remember how David sang it to him in Psalm 51? Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You know what I love about that? He's asking for a gift of joy, but he recognizes there's a gap in his willingness. Anybody else ever experienced that? You don't want to get up in the morning. You don't want to go to work in, or school during the day. You don't want to keep going. That's okay to have the feeling, but what you do with that feeling is really important if you're ever going to get the joy. He says, make me willing. Put in me a willing spirit, essentially. And then... If you've humbled yourself, if you've admitted where you are and humbled yourself, now you need to turn and prepare to worship the king. Just as the shepherds did and the wise men who came from a far distance and the angels that worshiped Jesus, they turned and the appropriate response is not just acknowledgement that you need a savior or the humility to call out to him, but then you need to worship him and to sing to him and to talk to him. Again, Isaiah 9, 6, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. Everybody say Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You and I, as we begin to worship Jesus, can embrace the restored vital optimism like a child. In other words, vital optimism comes back through worship, and we capture the wonder. Friends, it's not just out there somewhere. You're, maybe Jesus will choose to visit me this Christmas. No, it's your church choice to turn and say, I am going to 
capture the wonder. I'm pursuing the wonder. I'm not just letting my healing lay out there somewhere. I'm going to chase my healing. I'm not just letting that forgiveness lay out there somewhere. I'm going to capture the forgiveness. And it's not by your works, friends. I'm not talking about works-oriented theology. What I am saying is the promises of Jesus are available to those that would worship him and pursue what is available to us. You have an opportunity this Christmas, not just today, but every day leading up through Christmas to not embrace the materialism of the world or the marketing that's everywhere around you or the frustrations about your family fights that go on every time this year. Come on, does this happen to you? And you, you can choose to not worry about that and instead pursue to capture all of the wonder that's available. Come on, Cubs fans, you know what I'm talking about. There is opportunity there this year if we go for it. There's an opportunity to pursue him, to look to him, to dance upon the announcement of who he is, to receive your healing, to receive your joy, receive your peace. Let him surprise you with his wonder. Daily look at him. This is why we gave this, we're giving out this Advent journal. We want you to be able to go through it this month, to consider it, to think about what's available to you. Wants you to talk about it with the people that are closest to you, perhaps in your connect group, and you can connect with other people and say, what are you doing for this Christmas, and, and how can we focus in on Jesus? Parents can do this with their children. So what's Christmas about? How are your kids ever going to learn what Christmas truly is about if you don't tell them? You could, you've got to show them. If they think Christmas is all about the present time, you might have messed it up. They might be missing out on their healing. They might be missing out on their joy. I'm not saying giving presents away is bad. I'm just saying if you do it to the neglect of talking about Jesus, what's the point? We got to talk about Jesus. We got to focus in on him this year. Come on, somebody. We got to do it. If we don't do it, they aren't going to catch it. They aren't going to catch it. Today, I want us to embrace the promise of wonder being restored in our lives. And like little kids, you know, I am uh, six foot two, 200 and none of your business pounds. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll have little kids that will run and their, their whole world is down here. So they're looking at a different plane. So they're running all over and once in a while they'll bounce into me and they'll hit, hit me like they hit a tree trunk. And they'll, they'll stop and they'll start at the feet and they'll look up they go to the knees. Because for the first time, they're looking up there. Oh, I, I, you know, all I see is knees usually. Now I'm, I'm seeing something. But that's the way children do it. When it comes to worship, we stop, we hit them. And then we begin to worship and we recognize the wonder comes back. Today on our, our campuses, I want us to stand and worship Jesus. Would you stand with me? I want us to sing and remember the place 
where it's just you and Jesus. Perhaps you've lost your vital optimism. The joy is gone. The balloon has been popped. He's here today to restore the joy of your salvation. And Jesus is worthy of our praise. And maybe we start at the bottom and we work up. But we're going to worship him. Can you just close your eyes, lift your hands, and just begin to worship Jesus and remember him for who he is and how you need him and I need him and we're lost without him. He's the wonderful counselor today. He's available. He's near and he's with us and he loves us. We worship you.